Chapter 8 of The Fundamental Doctrines of the Christian Faith by R. A. Torrey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter 8 The Atonement. God's Doctrine of the Atonement versus Unitarian and Christian Science Doctrines of the Atonement. Apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Our subject in this chapter is God's Doctrine of the Atonement versus the Unitarian and Christian Science Doctrines of the Atonement. One of the most fundamental, central, and vital doctrines of the Christian faith is the Christian Doctrine of the Atonement. Without the Bible Doctrine of the Atonement, you have no Christianity, but the devil's substitute for Christianity. Without the Bible Doctrine of Atonement, you have no real gospel, but an utterly false and soul-destroying philosophy. In speaking of the doctrine of the deity of Christ, I said, If a man really holds to right views concerning the person of Jesus Christ, he will sooner or later get right views on every other question. But if he holds a wrong view concerning the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is pretty sure to go wrong on everything else sooner or later. The same is true regarding the doctrine of the atonement. If a man really holds to right views concerning the atonement made by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, he will sooner or later get right on every other question. But if he holds a wrong view regarding the atonement made by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is pretty sure to go wrong on everything else sooner or later. There is a great need in this day of teaching on this subject that is definite, clear, accurate, exact, complete. Because not only in Unitarian and Christian science circles, but also in circles that are nominally orthodox, in professedly Christian colleges, seminaries, pulpits, Sunday school classes, and religious papers, magazines, pamphlets, books, there is much teaching today that is vague, inaccurate, misleading, unscriptural, and oftentimes utterly false and devilish, teaching that is essentially Unitarian or eddyistic. Men and women use the old words with a new meaning, so as to deceive, if it were possible, the very elect. Even the Christian scientist will tell you that he believes in the atonement, and that Mrs. Eddy taught the atonement, but when you begin to ask direct and pointed questions regarding his belief and teaching, you will find that by atonement he meant, and that Mrs. Eddy meant, something utterly different from what you mean and what the Bible teaches. Paul tells us that the devil camouflages as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, but never has he done it more successfully and dangerously than in the teaching regarding the atonement which he has inspired in Mrs. Eddy and in Unitarian teachers and also in the teachers in many supposedly orthodox pulpits, in many congregational pulpits, in some Methodist pulpits, in many Baptist pulpits, and even in some Presbyterian pulpits. Some years ago, in teaching a Bible class in Minneapolis attended by people from all the churches, I remarked incidentally that Christian science denied the doctrine of the atonement through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. A very intelligent lady, a lady perfect in her manners, came to me at the close of the class and said, Mr. Torrey, you ought not to have said what you said today about Christian science, for you do not understand its teachings. They do teach the atonement. I replied, I said that Christian science denies the doctrine of the atonement through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus Christ bore your sins in his own body on the cross? She answered, I think Christian science is a beautiful system of teaching. I said, That is not what I asked you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ bore your sins in his own body on the cross? She replied, Christian science has done me a great deal of good. That is not what I asked you. 
do you believe that jesus christ bore your sins in his body on the cross i think that jesus christ's life was the most beautiful life ever lived on the earth that is not what i asked you do you believe jesus christ bore your sins in his own body on the cross the christian scientists are lovely people that is not what i asked you do you believe that jesus christ bore your sins in his own body on the cross i believe in following the lord jesus christ do you believe that jesus christ bore your sins in his own body on the cross oh she said that is a doctrinal question now i said you are yourself an illustration of the truth of the very thing i said you do not believe in the atonement through the shed blood of jesus christ the christian scientist uses the word atonement but he means something entirely different from what the bible teaches regarding the atoning death of jesus christ so does the unitarian so do many of the ministers supposedly of orthodox denominations the pastor of a congregational church in this city said recently i have my own kind of religion it answers for me but i hope i have sense enough to see that it would not answer for everybody i imagine the salvation army captain preaching my kind of religious doctrine without a devil without a hell without an atonement of blood and recompense without an infallible bible and i see his audience melting away like snow in the rain is his doctrine truer than mine or is mine truer than his why neither his is true for him and mine for me that is all each after his own kind now this may sound tolerant and lovely but it is utter nonsense any doctrine which is not true for everybody is not for anybody true and any doctrine which is true is true for everybody if a doctrine that leaves out an atonement of blood is not true for the salvation army and it certainly is not then it is not true for anybody else truth is not relative it is absolute what is true is true and what is false is false so we come face to face with the question what does the bible teach on this great fundamental doctrine the first thing that the bible plainly teaches on this question is the absolute necessity and fundamental importance of the death of jesus christ the absolute necessity and fundamental importance of the shedding of his blood the tendency of our day in unitarian churches and in orthodox circles that have been leavened by the corrupting leaven of unitarianism is to minimize the importance of the death of our lord jesus christ the tendency is to make his life and character his teaching and leadership the main thing christian science even goes so far as to deny the fact of his death to them his supposed death is an illusion it is only mortal thought but the bible puts the emphasis upon his atoning death the death of jesus christ is mentioned directly more than 175 times in the new testament Besides this, there are very many prophetic and typical references to the death of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. When Mr. Alexander and I were holding our meetings in the Royal Albert Hall in London, someone took away one of our hymn books and went through it and cut out every reference to the blood and then sent it back to me through the mail, saying, I have gone through your hymn book and cut out every reference to the blood. These references to the blood are foolish. Now sing your hymns with the blood left out and there will be some sense in them. If any of you should take your Bible and go through it in that way and cut out of the New Testament and Old Testament every passage that refers to the death of Christ or to his atoning blood, you would have only a sadly torn and tattered Bible left, a Bible without a heart and a gospel without saving power. If I were a member of a church where the pastor said that he preached a system of religious doctrine without a devil, without a hell, without an atonement of blood and recompense, without an infallible Bible, to use his own language, 
he would see his audience melting away like snow in the rain as far as i was concerned i would either take my hat and get out of that church or else the pastor would take his hat and get out of the pulpit for i should know that he was not preaching god's pure saving gospel but the devil's poisonous substitute for the gospel not only are the references to the death of christ so numerous in the old testament and new testament but we are taught distinctly in hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 that jesus christ became a man for the specific purpose of dying that he became a partaker of flesh and blood in order that he might die in this passage we read for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through his death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 the meaning of these words is as plain as day they tell us that the incarnation was for the purpose of the death they tell us that jesus christ's death was not a mere accident or incident of his human life as many would have us believe but that it was the supreme purpose of it he became man in order that he might die as man and for man this is the doctrine of the bible and it is true for anybody and for everybody furthermore he died for a specific purpose as a ransom for us he himself said so in matthew chapter 20 verse 28 he says the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many one of the most remarkable scenes recorded in the new testament is that of the transfiguration when moses and elijah came back from the other world to commune with jesus and what did they talk about in that great moment of human history luke tells us in the ninth chapter of his gospel the thirtieth and thirty-first verses and behold there talked with him i e with jesus two men which were moses and elijah who appeared in glory and spake of his decease which he was about to accomplish at jerusalem his atoning death was the one subject that engrossed the attention of these two who came back from the glory world we are also told in first peter chapter one verses ten to twelve that the death of jesus christ is a subject of intensest interest and earnest inquiry on the part of the angels the death of christ is the central theme of heaven's song revelation chapter five verses eight to twelve gives us a picture of heaven with its wonderful choir of ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands and this is the description of the song they sing and when he had taken the book the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sing a new song saying worthy art thou to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and didst purchase unto god with thy blood men of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and madest them to be unto our god a kingdom and priests and they reign upon the earth and i saw and i heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the living creatures and elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands and thousands saying with a great voice worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive the power and riches and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things that are in them heard i saying unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the lamb be the blessing the honour and the glory and the dominion for ever and ever revelation chapter five verses eight to twelve so it is evident that the great central theme of heaven's song is the atoning death of jesus christ 
and the shed blood by which he redeemed men of every tribe and tongue and nation if the unitarian or the christian scientist or the new theologian should get to heaven they would have no song to sing the glorious song of that wonderful choir would sound to him like a song out of the shambles he would be very lonesome and feel that he had got into the wrong pew so much for the fundamental and central importance of his death or the shedding of his blood but what was the purpose of the shedding of his blood first of all the bible distinctly and repeatedly tells us by direct statement and by countless typical reference in the old testament that he died as a vicarious offering for sin that is that he an absolutely perfect righteous one who deserved to live died in the place of unjust men who deserved to die for example we read in isaiah chapter fifty three verse five but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed and in the eighth verse we read by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who among them consider that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due and in the eleventh and twelfth verses we read he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by the knowledge of himself shall my righteous servant justify many and he shall bear their iniquities therefore i will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors yet he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors in first peter chapter three verse eighteen we read christ also suffered for sins once the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to god being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit and in first peter chapter two verse twenty four we read who his own self bare our sins in his own body upon the tree that we having died unto sins might live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed now the meaning of these verses and many other verses is inescapable they teach in language the meaning of which no one can misunderstand unless he is determined not to see that the death of jesus christ was a vicarious atonement that is a just one who deserved to live dying in the place of unjust ones who deserved to die it was to use the language of the los angeles minister who denied his belief in it an atonement of blood and recompense this is god's doctrine of the atonement versus the unitarian and christian science doctrine of the atonement but this is not all we are further taught that he died as a ransom that is his death was the price paid to redeem others from death he himself says so his own words are the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many if his life was not a ransom that is to say if he did not redeem others from death by dying in their place then he was the greatest fool in the whole history of this universe was he a fool or was he a ransom no one who in any real sense can be said to believe on the lord jesus christ can hesitate as to his answer but even this is not all the bible distinctly tells us that he died as a sin offering i e it was on the ground of his death and on this ground alone that forgiveness of sin was made possible for and offered to sinners this we are told in the fifty-third chapter of isaiah to which reference has already been made in the tenth verse it is written yet it pleased jehovah to bruise him he i e jehovah hath put him to grief literally made him sick when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed 
he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of jehovah shall prosper in his hand now the meaning of offering for sin is unquestionable to any one who has studied the old testament offerings an offering for sin or a guilt offering which is the exact force of the hebrew word translated an offering for sin was a death of a sacrificial victim on the ground of which pardon was offered to sinners leviticus chapter six verses six to ten revised version the holy spirit says expressly in hebrews chapter nine verse twenty two in words the meaning of which is unmistakable and the force of which is inescapable apart from shedding of blood there is no remission and the whole context in which the passage is found shows that the blood to which all the blood of the old testament types as sacrifices pointed forward was the blood of jesus christ so then the word of god declares that apart from the shedding of the blood of jesus christ there is absolutely no pardon for sin there is absolutely no forgiveness outside the atoning blood of christ without christ's atoning blood every member of the human race must have perished forever fourth and further yet the bible teaches that jesus christ died as a propitiation for our sins god the father gave christ the son to be a propitiation by his blood that is to say jesus christ through the shedding of his blood is that by which god's holy wrath at sin is appeased we read in first john chapter four verse ten herein is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins and we read in romans chapter three verses twenty five and twenty six whom god set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to show his righteousness because of the passing over of the sins done aforetime in the forbearance of god for the showing i say of his righteousness at this present season that he might himself be just and the justifier of him that hath faith in jesus the meaning of these words is also as plain as day the two greek words in these two passages are not exactly the same word helasmos and helasterion but are from the same root the word used in first john chapter four verse ten is helasmos and the word used in romans chapter three verse twenty five is helasterion the definition given of the first in thayer's dictionary of new testament greek the standard work is a means of appeasing the definition given in the same lexicon of the second word is an expatiary sacrifice so the thought that is in both passages is that the death of jesus christ was a propitiation an expatiatory sacrifice the means of appeasing god's holy wrath at sin or in other words that jesus through the shedding of his blood is that by which the wrath of god against us as sinners is appeased god's holiness and consequent hatred of sin like every other attribute of his character is real and must manifest itself his wrath at sin must strike somewhere either on the sinner himself or upon a lawful substitute it struck upon jesus christ a lawful substitute as we read in isaiah chapter fifty three verse six all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and jehovah hath laid on him the iniquity of us all the word translated hath laid according to the margin of the revised version means literally hath made to light more literally still it means hath made to strike reading it this way what god says is all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and jehovah hath made to strike on him i e the lord jesus the iniquity of us all and in the eighth verse of the same chapter we are taught that the stroke due to others fell upon him and he was consequently cut off out of the land of the living 
the death of jesus christ has its first cause in the demands of god's holiness this is the bible doctrine versus the unitarian and christian science doctrine of atonement the doctrine is often misrepresented and caricatured as being that god a holy first person took the sins of man the guilty second person and put them on jesus christ an innocent third person and it is objected that this would not be just no this would not be just and it is not for a moment the doctrine of the bible for the bible clearly teaches that jesus christ was not a third person but was himself god and that he was himself man so he is not a third person at all but both the first person and the second person and the doctrine is that god himself the offended first person substitutes his atoning action whereby he expresses his hatred against sin for his punitive action whereby he would express the same thing that god instead of visiting the sins of the sinner upon the sinner takes the punishment upon himself this certainly is something more than just it is wondrous love further yet the bible teaches us that jesus christ died to redeem us from the curse of the law by bearing that curse himself we read in galatians chapter three verse ten as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse for it is written cursed is every one who continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them so then every one of us is under the curse of the broken law for not one of us has continued in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them but we read in the thirteenth verse christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us literally in our behalf for it is written cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree by his death by crucifixion he redeemed us from the curse which we deserved by taking that curse upon himself this certainly is an atonement of blood and recompense the bible puts essentially the same truth in still another form viz that jesus christ died as our passover sacrifice that is that his shed blood might serve as a ground upon which god would pass over and spare us we read in first corinthians chapter five verse seven for our passover also hath been sacrificed even christ now what a passover sacrifice was and signified we learn from exodus chapter twelve verses twelve and thirteen where our lord told the children of israel at the inauguration of the passover for i will go through the land of egypt in that night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of egypt both man and beast and against all the gods of egypt i will execute judgment i am jehovah and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are and when i see the blood i will pass over you and there shall be no plague upon you to destroy you when i smite the land of egypt and again we read in the twenty-third verse of the same chapter for jehovah will pass through to smite the egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts jehovah will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you paul wrote his words with all this in mind and in saying that christ is our passover sacrifice beyond a question he meant that the shed blood of jesus christ serves as a ground and the only ground upon which god passes over and spares us we have seen then the gracious and glorious purposes of the atoning death of jesus christ what are the results of this death they are even more glorious i can speak of them this morning only in part the first result of the atoning death of jesus christ is that a propitiation is provided for the whole world we read in first john chapter two verse two he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the whole world 
this plainly meant that by the death of jesus christ a basis is provided upon which god can deal in mercy and does deal in mercy with the whole world all of god's dealings in mercy with any man are on the ground of christ's death only on the ground of christ's death could god deal in mercy with any man god's dealings in mercy with the rankest blasphemer or the most blatant atheist is on the ground of the atoning death of jesus christ in the second place through the atoning death of jesus christ all men obtain resurrection from the dead we read in romans chapter 5 verse 18 so then as through one trespass i e the trespass of adam the judgment came unto all men to condemnation even so through one act of righteousness i e through christ's righteous act in dying on the cross in obedience to the will of god the free gift came unto all men to justification of life and we are told in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 22 as in adam all die so also in christ shall all be made alive the apostle paul in the whole chapter is speaking about the resurrection of the body not about eternal life and here he distinctly teaches that as every child of adam loses life physical life see genesis chapter 3 verse 19 in the first adam so also in jesus christ the second adam he obtains resurrection from the dead through the atoning death of jesus christ every man the rankest infidel as well as the most devout believer will some day be raised from the dead because christ died in his place whether the resurrection which he obtains through the death of jesus christ shall be a resurrection of life or a resurrection of condemnation shame and everlasting contempt john chapter 5 verses 28 and 29 daniel chapter 12 verse 2 depends entirely upon what attitude the individual takes toward the christ in whom he gets the resurrection by the atoning death of jesus christ all believers in jesus christ have forgiveness of all their sins we read in ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 in whom i e in jesus christ we have our redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace forgiveness of sin is not something which believers are to do something to secure it is something which the blood of jesus christ has already secured and which our faith has already appropriated to ourselves we have forgiveness we are forgiven every believer in jesus christ is forgiven every sin he ever committed or ever shall commit because jesus christ shed his blood in his place through christ's atoning death all believers in him although they once were enemies are now reconciled to god by the death of his son as we read in romans chapter 5 verse 10 while we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of his son that is to say the enmity between god and the sinner is done away with or as paul puts it in colossians chapter 1 verse 20 christ has made peace through the blood of his cross or as he puts it in the next verse but one colossians chapter 1 verse 22 christ hath reconciled believers in the body of his flesh through death the story is told of a faithful vicar in england who was told that one of his parishioners was dying she was a good woman but he hurried to her side to talk to her as he sat down by the side of the dying woman he said to her very gently but solemnly they tell me you have not long to live no she replied i know i have not they tell me you will probably not live through the night no she replied i do not expect to live through the night then he said very earnestly have you made your peace with god she replied no i have not and are you afraid to meet god without having made your peace with him no not at all she calmly replied again he said to her do you understand what i am saying do you realize that you are at the point of death yes 
Do you realize you will probably not live through the night? Yes. And you have not made your peace with God? No. And you are not afraid to meet God? No, not at all. There was something about the woman's manner that made him feel there was something back of her words, and he said to her, What do you mean? She replied, I know I am dying. I know I am very near death. I know I shall not live through the night. I know I must soon meet God, and I am not at all disturbed. For I know that I did not need to make my peace with God, because Jesus Christ made peace with God for me more than eighteen hundred years ago by his death on the cross of Calvary, and I am resting in the peace that Jesus Christ has already made. The woman was right. No man needs to make his peace with God. Jesus Christ has already made peace by his atoning death, and all we have to do is to enter into the peace which Jesus Christ has made for us, and we enter into that peace by simply believing in the one who made peace by his death upon the cross. Jesus Christ's work was a complete and perfect work. There is nothing to be added to it. We cannot add anything to it, and we do not need to add anything to it. Jesus Christ has made peace through the blood of his cross. The fourth result of the atoning death of Jesus Christ is that, because of the atoning death of Jesus Christ, all believers in him are justified. We read in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, being now justified by his blood. Justification is more than forgiveness. Forgiveness is negative, the putting away of our sins, manifested in God's treating us as if we had never sinned. Justification is positive, the reckoning of us positively righteous, the imputing to us the perfect righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, not merely the treating us as if we had never sinned, but the reckoning us clothed upon with perfect righteousness. By reason of Jesus Christ's atoning death, there is an absolute interchange of position between Jesus Christ and his people. In his death upon the cross, Jesus Christ took our place of condemnation before God, and the moment we accept him, we step into his place of perfect acceptance before God. As Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Him who knew no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ stepped into our place in the curse and rejection, and the moment we accept him, we step into his place of perfect acceptance, or, as it has been expressed by another, Near, so very near to God, near I cannot be, for in the person of his Son I am just as near as he. Dear, so very dear to God, dear I cannot be, for in the person of his Son I am just as dear as he. Furthermore, because of the full atonement that Jesus Christ has made by the shedding of his blood, by his atoning death on the cross, every believer in him can enter bodily into the holy place, into the very presence of God. As it is put in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy place, i.e. into the very presence of God, by the blood of Jesus, by the way which he dedicated for us, a new and living way, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in fullness of faith. Oh, how some of us hesitate to come into the presence of God when we think of the greatness and number of our sins, and when we think how holy God is, how the very seraphim, the burning ones, burning in their own intense holiness, veil their faces and feet in his presence, and unceasingly cry, Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah of hosts, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. God is holy, we think. Yes. And I am a sinner. 
yes but by the wondrous offering of christ once for all i am perfected for ever and on the ground of that blood so precious and so sufficient unto god i can march boldly into the very presence of god look up with an unveiled face into his face and call him father and pour out before him every desire of my heart O oh, wondrous blood but this is not all because of the atoning death of jesus christ those who believe in him shall ever live with him how plainly paul puts it in first thessalonians chapter five verse ten who died for us that whether we wake or sleep i e at his coming we should live together with him further yet because of the atoning death of jesus christ all those who believe on him receive the promise of the eternal inheritance this is what we are told in hebrews chapter nine verse fifteen and for this cause he is the mediator of a new covenant that a death having taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant they that have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance i wish i had time to dwell upon that there are other results of the atoning death of jesus christ as regards the devil and his angels into which we have no time to go just one more thing as regards the results of the atoning death of jesus christ as it relates to the material universe god teaches us that through the death of jesus christ the material universe all things whether they be things in earth or things in heaven is reconciled unto god these are his words for it was the good pleasure of the father that in him i e in jesus christ should all the fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him i say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven colossians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 these are wonderful words they tell us that the death of jesus christ has a relation to the material universe to things on earth and to things in heaven as well as to us and our sins the material universe has fallen away from god in connection with sin romans chapter 8 verse 20 revised version genesis chapter 3 verse 18 not only earth but heaven has been invaded and polluted by sin ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 revised version hebrews chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 through the death of jesus christ this pollution is put away but just as the blood of the old testament sacrifice was taken into the most holy place the type of heaven so christ has taken the blood of the better sacrifice into heaven itself and cleansed it all things whether they be things in earth or things in heaven are now reconciled to god the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory of the children of god romans chapter eight verse twenty one we look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness second peter chapter three verse thirteen the atonement of jesus christ has an immense sweep far beyond the reach of our human philosophies we have just begun to understand what the blood that was spilled on calvary means sin is a far more awful ruinous and far-reaching evil than we have been wont to think but the blood of christ has a power and efficiency the fullness of which only eternity will disclose End of chapter 8